0: You know, in the United States today, marital dissolution is on the rise in middle and later life, reflecting the rapid growth in what has been called the gray divorce. That is a term describing divorce among persons aged 50 or older. About 25 years ago, divorce during middle and later life was uncommon. Fewer than one in 10 people who got divorced in 1990 were 50 or older. Since then, this great divorce phenomenon has doubled. By 2010, one in four people getting divorced were age 50 or older. Moreover, the U.S. population is aging, which compounds the effect of the rate increase. And obviously, as systemic couple and family therapists, divorce is a reality in the work that we do. Many systemic couple therapists work with almost as many divorcing couples as they do intact couples. So how does the gray divorce phenomenon impact the way we think and work as systemic couple and family therapist? We're going to talk about that today on the podcast with Linda Hirschman. As a licensed MFT in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, Linda Hirschman has been in practice for more than 20 years. She earned her master's degree from Chestnut Hill College and completed a postgraduate training at the Philadelphia Child and Family Therapy Training Center. She's a frequent presenter at workshops and conferences, including AMFT's annual conference. In addition to being a certified discernment counselor, she is a clinical fellow and approved supervisor for AAMFT. She educates the public and practitioners alike about issues related to healthy divorce, including the gray divorce and co-parenting. So today we're gonna learn the reasons behind gray divorce, why it's so important for us to know about a systemic therapist, and how as clinicians, we should respond to this phenomenon and build it into our way of practicing with older divorcing couples. Eli, back with you on the AAMFT podcast. Today, we're talking about an emerging topic in our field that I think is, going, is already relevant, will continue to be relevant, and that is gray divorce, and to do that with us is a clinician, an expert, a clinical fellow in this area, Linda Hirschman. So Linda, I want to know about you, but, but first let's define gray divorce for our listeners out there.
1: First of all, thank you so much for having me on the program. I really appreciate it. And gray divorce can be defined very simply. It's splitting up after age 50. Short and sweet.
0: How many people Americans are affected by this right now? Would you say?
1: Well, let me give you statistics in two ways. One is that since the nineteen nineties the trend the divorce trend in the general population has either remained the same or dropped slightly. In this demographic it has more than doubled and it continues to rise. So that's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is in 1990, one in every 10 adults over age, couples over age 50 was getting divorced. Now it's almost one in four.
0: Wow, so that is clearly on the rise. and. Let's talk about the factors around why that is. But first, you know, if you you listen to the podcast, uh, everybody has a story of how they got into the field. But specifically, yeah, I want to know how you got in the field and then how did you get interested in working with couples or individuals of great divorce?
1: I probably have one of the more unusual stories of how I got into the field. I had always intended to be a therapist and went to school in the dinosaur age, before computers, we had just gotten calculators at that time, got a bachelor's degree in psychology. I had planned to go to graduate school from there and life had other plans for me and I got married right out of college and We didn't have the money for me to go to school. After a couple of years, I was in a dead-end job that I absolutely hated. So I had a baby and then I got a divorce. Then I was a single parent for a very long time. Throughout that whole process, it was always in the back of my mind that when my son gets old enough, I will go back to grad school. I didn't know how, I didn't know when. And then one day, On January 1st, 1994, I woke up, and I was having a conversation with somebody about school and plans. I realized, If I don't go back to grad school, I just cannot live with this unfinished business anymore. And I looked at them and I said, oh, guess what? I'm going to grad school. And as the words were out of my mouth, I thought, I am? When did I decide this? How will I have the time? How will I have the money? When I was in grad school, I was in a counseling psychology human services track. When I pictured being a therapist, it was this very hazy picture of having a very comfortable, tastefully decorated office and clients would come in. They would talk for an hour. They would cry. They would feel better. Then they'd give me a check and I would feel better. And that was really as far as my story went. I had no idea. And my very last class in grad school was the obligatory marriage and family therapy overview class. I bought the Nicholson Schwartz book. I read the introduction and immediately had two thoughts. Number 1, I'm supposed to be a marriage and family therapist. Number 2, I just did an entire masters in the wrong track. And then I realized, well, I better go get some training. And at that point, licensure was just about a reality and I went to the Philadelphia Child and Family Therapy Training Center, worked with Marion Goldberg and Annette Squitz, it's love you both like crazy, and became a marriage and family therapist.
0: You had gotten divorced, but it was the opposite of a gray divorce. It was an early divorce. Right. So uh, how did you get interested in working with uh, gray divorce?
1: Again, as so much in my career, it was a question of just showing up and being curious. There was a meetup group that was formed in Philadelphia called the Philadelphia Healthy Divorce Professional Network. I found it because I had a very, an an unusual free Thursday night because I work four evenings a week. And it just so happened that I didn't have anything to do. My husband, I had long remarried at that point. My husband was working. I had been to the gym in the morning and I just kind of wanted to get out. And I looked for a knitting meetup. And I don't know how, I don't know why, but I put in knitting meetups near me and what came up was Philadelphia Healthy Divorce Professionals. And it is a group of therapists, divorce coaches, collaborative family law attorneys, and other people who are working with people who are divorcing and are committed to keeping the process as healthy as and inexpensive and family-friendly as possible. And it turned out that the meetup was two days later, and I got very involved with that group, and the group grew legs. We had a conference. The next year, there were 120 therapists that showed up, and Bill Doherty was the keynote speaker, and I had done Bill's discernment counseling training, and I got to hang around with him and actually drive him around, which was... Great for me, I wanted to write an article on the changing face of divorce. In doing research for the article, the term gray divorce came up, and I thought, oh, what's that? That's an interesting term. I started reading about it, didn't do anything with it beyond that, except it did get me to thinking about my clients who were coming in and how many of them are age 50 and older and that I was treating their marital problems and their concerns in terms of staying together or splitting up the exact way that I was treating all of my divorcing couples. I started questioning that.
0: Why? Has this been such a spike in this gray divorce in the last 10 years or so?
1: Well, the first question you have to ask is, who is initiating gray divorce? And the answer is women. In the figures I see are anywhere from 61 to 66 percent of gray divorces are initiated by women. The very simple answer for the question of why are women initiating is because they can and it's only been in recent times that women have been able to do that. It's only been in the last twenty years or so that women have been in the kind of jobs where they've had the financial capability of getting divorced. Until the nineteen seventies, women could not get mortgages without their husbands, they could not get credit cards in their own name. They had no economic power whatsoever or legal power behind the economic power so if you were in a terrible marriage and you were a woman you stayed in a terrible marriage and just made the best of it so that is the first contextual piece of it and the next piece is people are living much longer
0: right and i think in 1973 or 74 divorce replaced death as the most common endpoint to a relationship and one of those major factors yeah people are just living a lot longer they're healthier and and if they want to have a quality life why not uh, you know don't do it in a relationship you're miserable so that's certainly another factor what else plays a part in it
1: another factor is it is more accepted societally there's not the same stigma about divorce as there was when I was a child. When I was growing up in the 60s and the early to mid-70s, we didn't know many people who were getting divorced, and if we did, it was looked on as not a great thing.
0: Those are the three main factors, so I'm also thinking before we talk about what this looks like clinically, Linda, let's talk about the, the risk factors of, uh, of couples that are, uh, may be heading towards this great divorce
1: main risk factor is when it's a second marriage or greater. You've broken that boundary. You know you can survive and move on, and it does make it easier. Also, we know that if you get divorced and you don't go and do your own work, you're going to replicate the same dynamics in the next marriage. And with every subsequent marriage, the odds of getting divorced again get higher and higher.
0: Uh, Larry King just got divorced, uh, I think, for the seventh or eighth time at age 89. Yeah. So, this, uh, a lot of your gray divorce couples have been married before, I imagine.
1: Yes. And,. Another risk factor and I have some questions about this and I have more research and thinking to do about this, is blacks and Hispanics are more likely to get divorced than Caucasians.
0: What does uh, in your experience the clinical presentation of somebody preparing to go through gray divorce or or you know maybe you see them post divorce? What does it look like from an MFT perspective?
1: All of the above. I have clients who come in who are divorce questioning. I have clients, I have couples who come in who decide that they want to get a divorce. I have couples who come in for discernment counseling and I have people coming in post-divorce. So one thing it does have in common with working with younger couples is we're going to see it all as MFTs.
0: Individuals that you've seen that have made the decision to divorce in later life. Uh, We talk about putting yourself out there in the dating world. What are other things that they have to consider that maybe they haven't fully discerned uh, when they made that decision?
1: And this goes back to the question of what are people's greatest fears? And in the research that I've been doing, the greatest fears for women, especially older women, are of being alone. Will anybody want me? who will take care of me, and also economic fears. For men, while they fear being alone, they fear it in a different way. All the research shows that men tend to marry much more quickly, and they marry much more frequently, and when they do remarry, they statistically have a high chance of marrying women who are at least 10 years younger the second time. So what the men's fears are, are number one, losing their relationship with their children. That is a reality because a lot of times, especially when you're dealing with an older population, first of all, they didn't grow up at a time when the men were as involved in the child raising, and sometimes they were minimally involved with child raising. And so the children, the adult children, are closer to their mothers to begin with. Also, their mothers tend to need them more. They tend to need their help more. So there is a very real problem of the relationship with the adult children suffering. And when men do remarry, they tend to develop loyalty issues to their second wives and their families so that they're not perceived as a bad husband this time around.
0: You do mention the kids and I think when we, we think of this is a decision that involves the couple, but it also in- involves the larger family system, children. And, you know, I'm wondering what your thoughts about the impact on the adult relationship with children in this great divorce. And I'm, I'm guessing that's not something that a couple is going to consult the kids on, but it certainly impacts them no matter how old they are. What are your thoughts on that?
1: It's huge. There is a term for it. They're called ACODs, adult children of divorce. One of the things you would ask the question about what are the considerations that you might want to bring up with older couples that are different than with younger couples. People tend to have this belief that, well, my kids are grown, they're adults, they'll understand, and they can handle it. And in many ways, parents splitting up when the kids are adults is more difficult than it is for younger kids. There are a lot of factors that go into that, and one is loyalty issues. People tend to tell their adult children more things, and yet parents of adult children forget that their children as well as adults. So it creates loyalty issues, it creates disillusionment, it can be very difficult for relationships. There are economic penalties for adult children of divorce. So for example, you're 26 years old, you're getting married, and all of a sudden your parents come to you and say, we know we told you we were going to pay for this wedding, but we're getting divorced and we just can't afford to. Or... We know we told you we would help you with X, Y, and Z, but now we can't do it. Sorry. There are also factors in childcare because oftentimes a parent may move away who was involved in caretaking while the adult children went to work. Or if there's a mother who never worked or who only worked part-time, she may have to go back to work and she's no longer available to care for her grandchildren. So there's big impact
0: on adult children. How do you think age has an impact on the ability to seek help?
1: There is a generational thing. The older you are, the more likely you are to come from a time when people didn't go to therapy. You didn't air your dirty laundry in public. There are cultural stigmas for older people against seeking therapy.
0: All right, so you're, you're in the midst of, of writing your book. I am curious, that book, is it to help clinicians work with these type of clients, or is it to also build in protective factors to prevent against great divorce? Because I am curious what those are, too. You know, we've talked about what leads up to it. I'm curious of the factors that can be preventative, because as, as MFTs, we like to see strength and health, and like, as I was saying earlier, uh, divorce not isn't necessarily a bad outcome, but Perhaps some of these relationships, if there are, is there is intervention, there could be a prevention of the great divorce. I'm curious your thoughts on that.
1: Well, the most protective factors are economic factors. It's shown that couples who own property tend to have lower divorce rates. Gray divorce is not just one entity because somebody getting divorced at 50 or somebody thinking about divorce at 50 has very different issues and concerns and problems than somebody getting divorced at 75 or 80.
0: Talk to us about the book what is going to be in there and then let's talk about as listeners of the podcast I like to leave with some skills or tools some, some interventions or techniques that you use with clients experiencing gray divorce
1: The book is called Gray Divorce A Guide for Counselors Working with Later Life Breakups and even though therapists are going to be the primary target market I also am looking at this book for definitely clergy I think that there is a lot of benefit to clergy in learning what to do and how to conceptualize when these older divorcing couples are coming in.
0: Yeah, with the idea that some clients with the stigma of therapy that you're mentioning earlier, they may not reach out to an LMFT, but they would reach out to uh, their pastor or priest.
1: Absolutely. And What this book does is discusses gray divorce in a systemic way. It ties together all the different pieces. It ties together the impact on the family system. It talks about the numbers and the trends and everything else. It discusses the changing face of divorce and some of the options that are available now when you're either divorce questioning or you're going through divorce that were not available Even five years ago, it pulls together everything plus gives therapists a guide on some tools that they can use specifically to work with older people who are divorcing. Yeah, let's talk about those tools. Okay, there are, of course, the usual tools. When somebody comes in, and and another thing I should mention, when somebody comes in and they're considering gray divorce, they also are very likely struggling with end-of-life issues and existential issues, and it's important for therapists to understand that it's a multi-layer thing, that not only are you looking at being alone it becomes very real that you may die alone while your partner that you've been with for 30 or 40 years is still alive and well and going on their own
0: way. Yeah, and it's hard enough to deal with if it was your choice for the divorce, but if it wasn't your choice and now you're kind of gra- grapple developmentally this stage of life with a divorce, which is not something you necessarily build into the life cycle, it's like a double whammy, yeah.
1: Some of the tools that are common for anybody that you would be working with in transition are things like helping them to envision what their new life would be, finding ways to help empower them to move into their new life, teaching them, I'm a big mind-body person, teaching them a lot of somatic tools to calm their anxiety and fears. When we get into some things that are more specific. As I mentioned, there's the existential piece of it, and a lot of our clients, especially as people get older, they tend to, I think, turn to religion more oftentimes. And even if you're not a, even if you're not a therapist who works in a spiritual or religious sense, which that's not how I show up, I think it is very important to ask all of our clients, especially those who are 50 and over and maybe looking at a later life divorce about their spiritual beliefs, about their religious beliefs, and can their religious communities, can their pastor or rabbi or minister be a source of support for them?
0: Yeah, I think, again, one of these things in our field that used to be taboo is, is tapping into that. You know, if you wanted a spiritual counsel, you'd go to your pastor or, or religious leader, but now I, I believe in these common factors. So if you have a client that the spirituality is important to them, you got to tap into that uh, number one and number two. As you said, it is not just this inward spirituality that leads to resilience and coping. It's the community of a church. And if you get divorced and you are in later life and you are kind of refiguring your whole network of people, certainly that's a built-in community. And I imagine part of the work too is also talking about who is your support network going to be no, now that your spouse is no longer there. How do you how do you help people? connect to other people that can support someone going through a great divorce during this transition.
1: There are divorce support groups out there. However, there are very few divorce support groups that are geared specifically toward older people divorcing, and I know if I were to get divorced and I were looking for a divorce support group, I would not want to be in a group with somebody who is 26 years old and has two kids under the age of three. So we as therapists have the opportunity to either, if we're inclined, start those groups, if we're seeing enough of those clients, or if we have enough of a networking system to bring them in, or teach our clients, empower our clients how to start a meetup group on their own. And it is a safe, I'm, I'm a big believer in meetup groups. I think that they are very safe ways to connect and to target your own special interests. And so we as therapists can do a lot of psychoeducation as well as support and therapy on how you navigate the world, how you deal with online technology, what to look for if you're going to be dating online, where you might find scams. I think that is all really important for us to be talking about with our older clients who have never used these tools.
0: I have just a couple more questions before we wrap up. I imagine in doing this work, you've also worked with people that have made the decision to divorce, yet, you know, you spent a long time with this person. There is still a relationship, whether you had kids or not, that goes forward. Uh, so the great divorce can be people that don't want the same thing. They don't want to live together anymore. It doesn't mean they don't remain in contact. Have you worked with those couples too that maybe are mutually de- agreeing, but still stay have some contact with each other even after the divorce.
1: Yes, absolutely. First of all, if there are children, you have to learn to negotiate traditions and holidays and everything else. And ideally, they can do that together. And as they get partnered with other people, can create an environment that is inclusive and collaborative.
0: I'm also imagining you've probably worked with people that have made the decision to divorce. Uh, later in life and then maybe something happens it doesn't work out like they thought like we said the dating scene is not that great or there's some life event and it brings them back together have you ever ever worked with a couple that has had great divorce and has then reconsidered that and actually remarried
1: I'm sure it happens I have not seen that what I more tend to see is they split up and oftentimes when couples, when older couples split, they don't divorce for, they don't divorce right away. And some of it is just practicality. For example, if you're 62 years old, and you're on your spouse's health insurance, unless you're looking to remarry, you might agree to stay married until you can get medicare with those couples who don't get divorced right away that they tend to have a period of time where the leaning out partner questions and will kind of put things out and start to draw back the other the leaning in partner but they never take that leap i've not seen older couples who have split up reconcile i've seen them play with it for a while but Ultimately, it doesn't go anywhere.
0: Uh, the last question, you this book, which will come out, will be a great resource for our listeners out there, therapists primarily. What other resources in your research have you found that would really help people working with clients uh, in this great divorce period?
1: two other things I briefly wanted to mention in terms of working with the population is discernment counseling as we've discussed and I won't go into that. I know you've had Bill on the show for those who haven't listened to it and are not familiar with it. It's Brief counseling that is designed to choose a path, either do nothing and revisit it at a later time, move towards separation and divorce, or move toward intensive marriage counseling. I find EMDR can be really, really helpful with this group, especially with the women, because when women are left by their men, they internalize these messages, which they've actually had all along because of our culture and society that I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not young enough, I should have known better, I should have done something. And people know EMDR as trauma therapy, but trauma is not about events that happen. It is about the negative beliefs you develop when you're going through events. I find it's extremely empowering when I use EMDR with clients and they're able to move through their and change their negative beliefs about themselves it helps them to picture to envision and move toward a better life one thing I did not mention in terms of a resource that or that we didn't discuss because there's only so much we could discuss here but now that gay marriage is legal gay divorce is also legal so you're going to have gay and lesbian couples and lesbians actually have a higher divorce rate than gay men. So you may have those couples coming in. And so it's important to educate yourself on working with the concerns and challenges of older gray gay divorce and There is also a subset of people who are gay or lesbian, but lived a heteronormative life. They got married, they had children, their children leave, they wake up, they're 60 years old and they think, I've been living a lie for 60 years and I may have 25 years left. I need to live a more authentic life. And so they move on. And then there is a woman near me, Dr. Francine Barbetta, who works with the straight spouse, and she has written about when people leave their marriages because they are embracing their authentic sexuality and that's another area it's, there's so much to think about with this.
0: So much to think about and you have given us a lot to consider and like I said this is a topic that is not going away that's going to affect not only our macro systems as we so how we say but also the micro system in the therapy room of both people as you said coming together on the brink of making this decision and then working with individual clients post great divorce so i can't thank you enough linda i can't wait to read the book when it comes out thanks so much for for being on the amft podcast
1: thank you again it was my pleasure
0: okay eli back with you concluding another edition of the amft podcast some other resources if you listen to our show lately we have explored some related topics you can go back through our archives Anywhere you find your favorite podcast, I'm partial to Apple Podcasts. You can go to Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. You can also go to amft.org and find um, back installments of the podcast from 2019, 2020. We've uh, talked about blended families with Dr. Patricia Papernow. We've talked about divorce therapy with expert Jay LeBeau, which are nice compliments to the great divorce today. You can also go to amft.org under learn about MFTs tab and therapy topics and find out around managing conflict during the divorce including a whole bunch of other useful resources that would help anybody going through divorce whether it's a regular divorce or gray divorce. As always, these topics come from you, the listener. We love feedback. You can get a hold of me, info at elikaram.com E-L-I-K-A-R-A-M Find us on Twitter. Join the conversation. I'm at Dr. Eli Live and the AMFT is at the AAMFT. We love bringing you this show and hope to keep doing it. We are rising through the ranks of the Mental Health Podcast. So please leave a review, a star rating. It helps a lot. Until next time, my friends. Stay safe. Stay systemic.